0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings. As always, I'm here with Ben Bergeron. Every week here on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you, as always, for tuning into the show. How the heck are you? I'm doing great. We are uh, we are into our new format. If, folks, uh, if this sounds funny to you, uh, go back a few episodes. We explain it a little bit more, but we will not do it anymore. We are going to start with our warm-up. Uh, we start every episode with our warm-up, which is your questions about the five factors of health, which are those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect your performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors, if you are new here, are how we eat, how we move, how we think, how we connect, and how we recover. Your challenge, Mr. Ben. Mr. Ben is to answer these questions within two minutes. Good. Rock and roll. All right. First one is from our Move Factor. When working out, how much does humidity affect performance? I live in Paraguay, and we have very high humidity to the point where in the warm-up, you sweat like you did two workouts in a row. Should we just expect a decreased performance in high humidity?
1: The answer is yes. Uh, It does. So, twofold. Yes and yes. Yes, (laughs) it affects the workout in a big, massive way, just as heat would. Um, or altitude, maybe. Or altitude, for sure. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then secondarily, should you um, should you incre- expect a decrease in performance? Yes, you should. The question that wasn't asked in that is like, what, if anything, should we do to mitigate the decrease in performance? And it is a matter of hydration and electrolytes. Mm-hmm. Um, sodium's gotten a really bad rap unnecessarily. It is a a central nutrient and uh, mineral, I should say, and you need to supplement it when you are eating a clean diet and exercising in extreme heat or humidity. Mm -hmm. The levels of that, the baseline levels are 1,000 milligrams of sodium for every hour of activity. That is one uh, tablespoon, (laughs) tablespoon or teaspoon I'm blanking on that right now, but it doesn't matter because I'll give you a nice little plug. Element, LMNT <laughs> right. is yep. what we do. It's way better than table salt, and it is a 1,000 milligrams per serving. Your Gatorade, your Noon tablets, your salt tablets are not getting you enough. Look at the sodium content on those, and most likely a really potent one will have somewhere around 200 milligrams. That's enough. Your Gatorade does not have electrolytes. It has carbs and sugar. Mm-hmm. It works. It works, but it works for a different reason. So- Make sure you're getting enough fluids and sodium, and you'll be good to go. Is
0: there any advantage for athletes in a higher humidity if they were to go to a place and compete where the humidity is less? Is that is kind of like altitude? I'm just thinking about altitude. Is there some advantage of training in one place and competing in another if that's what they were doing?
1: Okay. So there's a thing called heat acclimatization. Yeah. Um, I actually don't know the answer to that in terms of humidity mm-hmm. aspect, but for heat, there is, but it doesn't really work necessarily in terms of like, I train in heat, I train in heat, I train in heat, and now I'm going to go compete in 55 degrees. Yeah. That's not an advantage, but I train in heat, I train in heat, I train in heat, and I compete in heat, massive advantage, because you are acclimatized. Yep. It's such a hard word to like Acclimatized? I don't know. That's actually yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm not how to pronounce it, but I got you. That. Got it. All right. Cool. Next question is in the think factor. I'm a new mom and an orthopedic surgeon. I am back at work. And while I have the best job, I want to be a present mom, despite my demanding schedule and 24 hour call nights, female orthopedic surgeons make up a small percentage of all orthopedic surgeons. So it's difficult to find other colleagues who have gone through this. On top of that, I also want to maintain my fitness as I was a gymnast for 20 years. And this is an important aspect that I would like to balance as well. Any advice for how to handle this balance would be, or any advice for how to handle this balance would be much appreciated.
1: Okay. So it's, it's always, it's interesting that you put this in the think category. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, so I'll start answering that one a little bit, sure. I guess, in terms of the think, but it's actually, <laughs> I think it's, it becomes a very actionable. Cool. Um, I think it can go into the move category. Uh, the think aspect is you can't have it all, mm. right? So it's just, people think that this is like, a hard thing it's it's being um too hard on someone and when you hear that like like no but uh, it's well no you you literally just can't have it all this is why we talk about the five different factors and to me what chasing excellence is the appropriate balance across those things so what we need to be able to do is if we were a competitive gymnast for 20 years is recognize that that's not going to be pass- possible while chasing a high power career and being a great mom. Like we just can't do it at a world class, even an excellent level across three, across one. Absolutely. But this is the nature of the beast we call life. Right. So how do we actually do that in practice? To me, it is about the consistency aspect, create the habitual routines you are what you repeatedly do make it easy so you get into the habit of doing it and when your time is pressed huh maybe going to a crossfit gym is not i know i own a crossfit gym right maybe going (laughs) to a crossfit gym is not the most advantageous. we do that because it takes you 20 minutes to drive there you do an hour class it takes you 20 minutes to drive out of there uh And that's if you have no friends and you don't talk to anybody. Yeah, exactly. That's like getting in (laughs) and getting out of the classes. So that's minimum an hour and 40 minutes, assuming that's the appropriate buffers on either side. Whereas if you got a pair of dumbbells and a C2 bike Mm. and put it in a corner of your basement, you might be able to get in a really dope, really effective workout in 20 minutes. Like soup to nuts. Because... The way I do this when I'm pressed for time and I'm in a hotel is I pick the movements. Mm -hmm. Let's say I'm going to do a dumbbell clean and jerk. I literally start with the fives, Mm -hmm. the five pounds in each hand. And I do 10 reps with the fives, put them down, no rest. I go right into the tens, no rest. And the movement is by the time I get them to to the the 35s, the 45s and the 50s, I'm in it. And then I can just throw in the, the other movements make it a couplet. Yep. So then I just throw in um, some easy jogging on the treadmill. And I have this really, really effective... Efficient. Efficient um, clean and jerks and running workout that I can bang out in 15 to 20 minutes, mm-hmm. like for sure. And it's just a very, very efficient way to get in very, very effective training.
0: Yep. Love that. And this that, that might actually... Uh, lead into our our workout question today, so I'm excited to dive into that. Next question, though, is from the uh, the eat factor. I'm a middle school teacher. I often bring candy for my students as a reward. Middle school uh, kids can always be encouraged by food. What would be a good food reward to give kids in the classroom that is not candy, donuts, pizzas, etc.?
1: Okay. The question was, what should be? What is a good food reward that is not junk food? There isn't one. Mm. Food should not be a reward. This is what you tend to do is you are creating emotional eating habits. Mm -hmm. And emotional eating is not the way we want to put it. Now, I'm not saying don't celebrate with food. At a birthday party, on Christmas, on Thanksgiving, you can use food as a celebration for a social thing to bring people together but it should not be a reward well done let's go get some ice cream Mm -hmm. that's not the way you want to create the emotional connection to food instead you reward them with what the what psychologists say is actually the most rewarding thing there is which is public recognition Mm. call the kid out in front of all their peers and say johnny killed this. Mm-hmm. Johnny is a badass. Everyone Quite should aspire to be like Johnny. Johnny is the best. Yep. Right. Obviously that's an exaggeration, but that's the thing that that reward is so much more than here's a Hershey kiss. Yep. That's so much or if you guys are good, we'll throw you guys a pizza party. It doesn't need to be food food. If you guys are good, we'll do a game day mm-hmm. where we play Monopoly on this day. Like mm-hmm. it could be that type of thing.
0: Love that. Next one is from The Recover Factor. I'm a 48-year-old guy following the Comptran Master's programming. My sleep schedule every night is 9.30 to 6. Recently, I've been having trouble sleeping through the night on rest day nights, so the nights of rest days. When I haven't trained, I often wake up early at 4 or 5 and can't get back to sleep. Sometimes I'll finally start sleeping and sleep till 7 to make up for it and sacrifice an hour of my morning Mm. uh, routine. This usually makes me tired for that day. Mm. I keep the same life and nutrition schedule on all days of the week, minus training days on rest days. My question is: Should I just get up early on those mornings I wake up, or find a or, or find a way to still get my eight and a half hours of sleep? I'm pretty good at following the sleep protocols: no caffeine, no alarm clock, cool, dark, quiet room, et cetera. What a stud! Yeah, seriously, right?
1: Like, yep. I it was a good day. Super I, cool. I, I like, want my like, life to look like I'm, I'm
0: 48. That's that's what I
1: want. And like we have this teacher that's interested in like how to reward their st- And the the orthopedic surgeon, new mom, that's been a gym If the if the
0: uh, if the what is it, the zombie apocalypse comes, we're taking chasing excellence listeners. (laughs) That's what we're saying.
1: Okay. (laughs) You're all invited. Yes. Uh yeah. Come into our bubble. (laughs) We want you here. Well I I I, I heard that the thing to do is you find the home that's built up a little bit and you knock out the stairs. (laughs) Because zombies can't climb they can't climb stairs. They can't climb no, you create a rope. They can't climb ropes. So your your entrance in and out of your facility is a rope. Got it. Zombies can't climb ropes. Can it
0: be like a fireman's pole down and a rope up?
1: I, I, think, it go, prob- yeah. I think it definitely Can we go? I it definitely could. Might even be able to be a, like a really steep slide. <laughs> All right, moving. Uh, on. Okay, so the answer the the suggested protocol for this is he said on those days he has trouble. Um, Staying asleep. So he wakes up at 4.30 uh, yeah. so or He doesn't or train
0: that day. He ends up waking up
1: earlier than Okay. So then he actually tries to stay asleep longer and ends up staying in bed till 7. And yeah. that's what actually makes him more tired. Yeah. The answer to this is uh, uh, multifaceted. Probably two big things to take. The first one is still get up at the same time, yep. as close to that same time as you can. So what that means is if you wake up at 4.30 and your normal wake up time is 6, just lay in bed- until 6. And mm-hmm. it sounds weird. It's like, "Wait, well, I could be way more productive and stuff." You're actually teaching your body like, "This is what we're going to do." Mm. And what's happening is the the guy is falling asleep back asleep and staying up until se- staying asleep so, till 7, and then he's missing his morning routine. Yep. So what you can then do is you might miss 45 minutes up to an hour and a half of sleep but the rest of the day stays consistent. You still have your morning routine. You still have your same um, reading and meditation and journaling, stud, right? And then the next thing is you really want to double and triple down on the other sleep protocols that we've talked about on this podcast Mm -hmm. otherwise. And the biggest one was not in our one that we republished recently, Mm -hmm. which is get outside Mm -hmm. and get sunshine really early. So it's called... Um, low solar angle. When the sun is just coming up, even if you live in the city and you, you're seeing it in slivers, that is enough sun. The light is crazy bright, way more so than any light in your room can do. Think about it, a light in your room lights up your room, and maybe if it was in a warehouse, it might lead up another 20, 30 feet. Yep. The sun lights up the earth, whole world, right? The whole world. It's really bright. Yep. That signals to your body, On it sets the rhythm so that you'll be able to stay asleep longer the next night. That's a really, really big one. And the next one for that one is try, um, he doesn't, oh, he does no caffeine. So I'm gonna skip that one. But for everyone else that does caffeine, yeah. Um, delay the caffeine intake by maybe an hour or two on those days. If you're having trouble sleeping, delay caffeine intake to an hour or 2 from wake up time and then don't have any more later on in the day. Yep.
0: So be extra careful on those particular days that are giving you trouble. Got it. All right, connect factor my best friend is a healthy uh, is a healthy 40 year old female who's been battling a host of strange medical issues for over a year I'm not sure then she's a healthy 40 year old 40 year old female uh, she's been she's seen every doctor and relevant specialist and has tried every type of treatment available in the area and still can't figure out how to diagnose or treat her symptoms as her friend I have been uh, as empathetic and supportive as I possibly can but lately it feels like all we ever talk about is her weird symptoms and why no one can diagnose her it's getting to the point where I don't want to be around her or answer her phone calls because I and know uh, it's going to be about the same. It's going to be the same conversation about her complaining about her ongoing health issues. She's the definition of the victim mindset and constantly asks, Why me? How do I suggest that she adapt and take on a different mindset and accept that this may be her new reality without sounding insensitive?
1: Really hard situation. Yeah. Because it's two conflicting principles. The first one is clean up your environment and remove toxic people. Mm -hmm. So if this person is just a negative drain victim mindset, you want to remove that person from your life. The second aspect is to be an asset and be a leader and make people the best versions of themselves. And the question, the principle there is, if not me, then who? Mm -hmm. The people that listen to this podcast are the people that are the ones that help get people out of the sewers and into the success cycle. Mm -hmm. So- that's a really hard situation to know whether to remove that person or to continue to be the person that tries to elevate others. Here would be my suggestion is to make sure you have really done everything you can to help that person. And I'll give a really concrete one. This is um I would suggest that she look up and research Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm. Um, he's kind of the guy that is healing people that can't be healed Mm -hmm. and he's doing it on a, what most people would look at as a really wacky way, but the results are real. So wacky or not for people that have had a real struggle finding a path towards better health that seemingly are quote healthy and doing all the right things that's where I would point people towards and then from there support lean on be the shoulder be the empathetic but if it's not happening at some point that if not me then who not everybody can be saved mm-hmm. that sounds harsh um, but you need to make sure that you're keeping your cup full and if you know that every time you see that phone, Call coming in, you have an immediate emotional drain. That's a real pull and tug on you. So the litmus test for me is, have I truly done everything I can for my friend? Have I done it for a long enough period of time that I feel like there truly is nothing left for me to give? If there truly is nothing left for me to give, then there's nothing left to give. Mm -hmm. Got it. All right,
0: that was our warm up. If folks out there want to get questions into the queue, find me on Instagram, P.S. Cummings. Drop me a DM. I will get it to our on our list, and we will get it into a future episode. And uh, as always, thank you for folks for sending me those great questions. Ready for the workout? Let's do it. All right, this is actually from uh, this is from, a question from a listener. Um, by uh, his name is Alan, uh, and basically, it's for folks who are training. Uh, for longevity or long-term performance as opposed to peaking for a, an event or a season. What movements give them the biggest bang for their buck? And he went on to ask, like, are there high-skill movements like double unders or handstands? Um, are they necessary or are they more risk and reward? And so I want to get into the nitty-gritty of this question, but I also kind of want to maybe put in the back of your mind a, maybe a bigger, broader question, which is one that I've thought about for myself and, and for folks who I know who have been Training it in or around CrossFit for as long as we have, which is like, where do you start, or where or how do you start to evolve your own training logically over the course of over the course of the years in which you are doing it. In other words, I don't train the way I do now that, that as I did in 2007 when I when we first mm-hmm. kind of stumbled into CrossFit. Like it's changed a lot, and a lot of it's intentional, a lot of it's just life, but. I feel like that's, that's a conversation that nobody ever has, which is like, maybe it doesn't need to look like it did when you were 24. Maybe the movements, the intensities, the frequency, whatever, like whatever the the little dials you can turn, you might need, you might want to turn them at, at some point at various intervals throughout that kind of training career. So that's kind of the bigger question that I thought of when I, when I saw this question. I like the specifics of like handstand pushups, good, bad, right? Like, yep. I think that's super helpful, but also just more broadly, like, I think some people get – it's stuck in their head like, well, when I started CrossFit, specifically CrossFit or anything really, in 2010, like it looked like this and I did this and now it's 2020 and I haven't Hopefully it's not 2020 again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not... <laughs> two thousand whatever Lord. year it is. Um, Lord. And I feel like I don't know what I'm doing here. I feel like I'm trying to do what I used to do, and now it doesn't work. Whatever it is, right? You get the point. So I'm trying to lay those those kind of the, ma- the the macro question and the micro question out there.
1: Take it wherever you'd like. Yeah, right. So we're uh, let's start where we always do. Let's start with some principles. Mm-hmm. So the theoretical development of an athlete. What is the, um, this? is A question for you, Patrick. Okay. What is the foundational level for the development of an athlete? The bottom of the pyramid. Isn't it nutrition? It's or is it, not or what it actually. Yeah, it is an okay. nutrition. Yes, yeah. yes. But then, is it metabolic okay. conditioning? Metabolic yeah. conditioning. Okay. So, what is the thing that all of us should be spending the most focus developing? It is yep. metabolic Metabolic conditioning. conditioning. Yep. Metabolic now, what's the most effective form of metabolic conditioning? You tell me. Short, hard, intense. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, couplets and triplets, and triplets that are yep. really sweet spot. Like, um. Like your clean and jerk and run, yeah. Clean and jerk, so like, run. Yeah, Perfect yep. example. That is a sweet spot. That's going to develop our metabolic capacity. Yep. That's the number one thing we want to focus on. What is the second thing we want to focus on after that? It's strength. It is not. Or it's actually like gymnastics, gymnastics after that. Okay. Yep. So gymnastics, fancy word for body weight movements. That's all it is. Now, if we were to pair these things down in their simplest form, metabolic conditioning, aerobic, aerobic yep. conditioning, right? Cardio. Cardio. Yep. So. Swim bike run row. Yep. Okay. So let's make sure that we can do those things. But then the next one is gymnastics. And when you talk about gymnastics, what's the most fundamental piece of gymnastics? I, I won't ask you mm-hmm. this. I'll just throw it out the <laughs> hypothetically. Rhetorical question? Yes. Yeah. Which is full ranges of motion. Okay. You're going to bring your body through a full range of motion. So that means when you do gymnastics, fancy word for body weight movements. That's all it is. You're moving your body through space. So what we mean there is squat, air squat. So what we want to be able to do is be able to get ourselves to full depth. When we are doing a push-up, we want to be able to get our chest all the way down. When we're hanging from a bar, we want to make sure that our elbows go completely locked out and that the big one people miss when they do like strict pull-ups mm-hmm. is that our shoulders are at full, full extension, mm-hmm. full ranges of motion. When we... Um, Deadlift, the bar is touching the ground. It's essentially like touching your toes. It's like If we are training for longevity, what we really need to do is focus on the bottom levels of the pyramid, the foundation ones. Nutrition, okay, big, but that's not in the scope of this conversation. Then it becomes, let's make sure we can do cardio mm-hmm. and let's make sure that we can do um, gymnastics. Mm-hmm. This is straight from the ethos of CrossFit for any level. It's the same thing for trying to be a games level athlete. After that, it becomes weightlifting. Mm -hmm. So, after that, cool, let's introduce some loads. Maybe in the beginning, it's a 15 pound training bar, and then it becomes 65 pounds, then 85 and 95 pounds. But the big thing here is I'm going to, before we go to that final peak of the pyramid, the biggest thing is we have to bring our secondary principle on top of this, which is mechanics, Mm -hmm. consistency, then and only then, relative high intensity. So I'm going to come back to that one in a second. The final piece of the pyramid is sport. Mm-hmm. So sport to me is handstand pushups, is handstand walking, is pistols, is cycling barbells really fast, mm-hmm. is rebounding box jumps. Mm-hmm. You don't need to train sports for longevity. Mm -hmm. Stay in the middle of the pyramid. It's all about the bang for the buck. It's like, what is the most efficient, effective way to train this way? And it is focusing on making sure you're getting in some cardiovascular response. Is your heart rate getting to varying levels? Are you spending 40 minutes at 130 beats? Are you spending... 15 minutes at 160 beats? Are you spending 10 minutes at 170? And are you spending some workouts that are just five minutes that you're 190 or above? Mm-hmm. Like th- that is what creates this really good variance, mm-hmm. which everyone thinks variance is just like, make sure you Random. touch the dumbbells and make sure you go for, you know, a run and make sure you do some burpees. Variance also means that we're varying that level. Yep. So that's where the specifics of handstand pushups, I forget what the other example he gave was.
0: Uh, Handstands, double unders. Double unders, yeah.
1: So um, the other aspect to that is it goes mechanics, consistency, intensity, then only that intensity is where we can get the greatest bang for our buck. If you have three, two, three hours to train every day, I hope that you're spending 30 minutes every day practicing, training new movements. Mm -hmm. That's really important. Most of us have the hour at the gym, that one hour in the class. I would prefer people spend that time getting really good Mm warm-ups, really good mobility, stretching, than trying to learn to get a Mm muscle-up, trying to learn to walk on their hands. I believe that there is more longevity payoff to making sure that you can... um, Continue to squat below parallel, really in a really effective, efficient way, really good at fully extending your arms over your head, maintaining mobility than there is in um, being able to um, walk over a stairs and a ramp on your hands. Yep. Like, that's a cool circus trick, um, and that you certainly need overhead mobility to be able to do that. But for the bang for the buck, instead of spending the 60 hours necessary to get that skill, I would rather, if you only have one hour a day, I'd rather you spend that into the bottom three levels of the pyramid rather than the top sport-specific one. Mm-hmm. Um, do you get the sense that uh,
0: that th- what you just said, the, th- that we've forgotten about the base of the pyramid at some point? Or do you think a lot of people have? Because that's not what people associate. Again, we're just going to use CrossFit because it's the world we come mm-hmm. in. It's the gym here. That's not what anybody really associates CrossFit with. CrossFit ends up being associated with the the muscle ups, the barbell, the mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the, um, uh, the 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 high rep cycling of barbells, right? Uh, it becomes the kind of the sexy stuff that that make good images, that make good, uh, and that when you're 23 looks like that's that's what I'm going to go figure out how to do. Do you get the sense that we've either just like we've just lost the script on it or that we've done a bad job? We kind of collectively in really being being focused on the bottom half of that pyramid versus the top half, which, again, is weightlifting and sexy, fun sports stuff.
1: I don't know what I don't know. So I'm going to take a stab in what my my impression of this is. And I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think that most affiliates are operating under the appropriate Methodology. I think most CrossFits are doing mostly couplets and triplets of rowing, burpees, and thrusters. I think most of workouts are involving um, dumbbell snatches, box jumps, and toes to bar. Mm-hmm. In, in, and they should. I think that um, people that don't do this at an affiliate probably mess this up. Mm-hmm. Because it's not what gets posted. No one posts... There, no one posts Jackie to Instagram. Yep. The Jack, which is row a thousand, do fifty thrusters with an empty barbell and thirty pull-ups. Yep. Like that doesn't get it done. What does get it done is look at me um, do a pirouette on my hands and walk over these yep. these obstacles. What does is watch me clean and jerk three hundred thirty-five pounds. Which does is watch me do these um, fifteen unbroken bar muscle-ups. That's the sexy circus tricks. The 15 Unbroken Bar Muscle Ups, to me, is cool if you have that capacity. But again, in terms of the people that have the majority of people that are trying to do what this listener asked, and that's really important, is we have to start with the end in mind. Remember, that the listener asked, what is the best way to chase longevity? If the goal is longevity, it's to work as hard as you can a most effective, efficient way possible while still being able to come back tomorrow, basically no steps backwards and maximize the minutes. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, spending X amount of time working on getting from nine to 15 bar muscle-ups to me is not the biggest bang for the buck. I would much rather have the person work on um, their thousand meter row time Mm -hmm. because that's a metabolic Test. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather have them try to bring their fran time down. I'd much rather have them work on getting their um, Murph time to come down. Those things aren't nearly as sexy or Instagrammable, but it's the thing that will set people up for the long run better.
0: What about the the broader question about that I asked? Just about kind of like evolution of training or focus of training over the course of like your training life, right? Again, thinking about Myself as a 24 year old when I started versus where I am now. It has naturally changed for various reasons. Again, sometimes just life, sometimes like whatever doesn't really matter. I don't think I'm alone, is my point in like, oh, it doesn't look the same as it did. How do you suggest people at least just like keep in the back of their head the changes that maybe need to happen or are going to happen or, or, or that are, that are, that's actually beneficial to happen from? Mid twenties to let's just call it mid thirties to forties to, to above. Like, what does that evolution need to look like, or doesn't it need to change? You just need to have been thinking about this hierarchy as you
1: as we just talked about when you were twenty five, and maybe you just weren't, and maybe that's the issue. No, it should change. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, Simon Sinek would say, like, you start with why. Mm-hmm. Why are you training when you were twenty five, and I met you, and I was. Th- 30 or whatever it was, we both wanted to be like the apex of the sport. So that's our goal to be the apex of the sport. So that is why we trained different than we do now. If I was ask you now why you train, it's so I can continue to kick ass with my kids and that I'm around and I'm going to be a good granddad and all the. So there's the we should evolve. We should change. Your purpose and focus and goals in life are not the same at 15 as they are at 25, 35, or 45. These things should change just like your training and the reasons you train change. When I first got out of college, I wanted to try to become a professional triathlete. Yeah. It's like, well, I have no interest in that right now. Right. And because that was my goal at 25 doesn't mean it's my goal for the rest of my life. It shouldn't be. It's kind of like once you hear it, it's like, of course. Yep. Well, if that's the case, your training should not stay the same. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of like, um, is, the, is the tail wagging the dog? Mm-hmm. Is because this is the way we train, this is the way I train, and no matter what happens, it's the way I got trained. Yep. Well, no, like, what, where does the dog want to go? Yep. Like, where do you want to go? And then the tail follows there. And if we want to, if the reason we're staying active and going to the gym every day is for a different purpose, you can still do thrusters and pull-ups, running, rowing, burpees, clean and jerks, and all the rest. But the 10, 20, 30% changes. What is that 10, 20, 30%? The top of the pyramid. Yeah. You don't need to lift as heavy weights, weightlifting. And you don't need to do it in a sport-specific fashion where you're trying to be the apex of the sport. Mm-hmm. Just pull back the top a little bit instead of a really tall, steep pyramid. Maybe it gets rounded off a little <laughs> bit at the top. <laughs> yep, that's all it is. Yeah.
0: Have you found yourself? I mean, I know, I know we've talked about it, and, and I know it has, but I'm curious. Like, what has been the the intentional changes you've made from? Over the last ten years of training, from from that very sport focus to where I know you are now, which is the you know kickass in your nineties, like is, are there one or two big things that you think about? And you think, okay, I used to do it; that made sense then, but now I don't even I don't do that. I don't think about it. I don't do it at this level. Whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. So the first one would be um, the loads and the movements. So when I was in my late thirties, uh, early uh, late twenties, early thirties. My goal was to—I competed at the CrossFit Games on a team, and so my—I was trying to be the apex of the sport. Well, you have to train those movements; otherwise, you're unprepared. Yep. So, um, and you have to train to try to get as strong as you possibly can. So you need to lift heavy loads. Now the goals have changed completely to where I want to um, extend the opportunity for me to be as functional as possible. Mm-hmm. Functional, meaning the ability to move large loads, large distances quickly. What is the load that I most necessarily need to move? My own body. Mm-hmm. Like I need to be able to move that one as long as possible. So that's what my goal has been is to continue to try to maintain. Here's my big goals now. Maintain work capacity, the bottom of the pyramid, um, while continue to move my body through a full range of motion. And be able to have enough strength to where I don't feel weak. Mm -hmm. That's my metric now. Mm -hmm. If I feel weak, I'll lean into strength a little bit more. When I start feeling strong, I'm kind of cool with that. I might just kind of hang out there for a little bit, but I definitely go in the ebbs and flows of that. What does that look like in practice? Back when I was early starting this thing, like you were, um, it was multiple training sessions a day and it was pushing 90% loads as heavy as I could, and every movement was on the table. Mm -hmm. Pistols, handstand walking, handstand push-ups, ring, bar muscle-ups, butterfly pull-ups, all, you name it. Um, Rebounding, box jumps, all that. What does it look like now? I actually train um, once a day, but I train more frequently. Mm -hmm. Back then, I only trained five days a week. Now I train six. Now I also involve a yoga practice daily because range of motion is so important to me. And as you get older, everyone knows decrepitude sets in unless you fight against it. So I have a daily yoga practice. It's only 20 minutes, not a big ask. And um gone are the movements I just list essentially. No more handstand pushups, no more muscle ups, no more pistols, no more rebounding box jumps, cause uh, and no more squat snatches. Hmm. Just cause the the risk rewards that still do power snatches, still do overhead squats. But to me, the the, um, that level of, uh, movement, I, I completely, it's so impressive watching the masters compete at the games Mm -hmm. and that level of capacity. I don't feel like I train frequently enough to maintain that type of dynamic movement pattern under load. So I reserve that for a slower, more controlled movement, which is power snatches and overhead squats.
0: Love that. Anything else, uh, just to wrap up this thought or this conversation, worth mentioning that uh, I didn't ask you about.
1: Um, no, just in ter- I think it's really important for people to begin with the end in mind. Yeah, I love that. So, what is it that we're chasing, and not to just default to what you did ten years ago. Yeah. That's the biggest
0: one. Is at some frequency or some interval. Take a you know check yourself, check in with yourself, ask yourself. Yeah. What what is what is the purpose of my.
1: And hours if that we're doing table. that, it sets up the stage for a lot of things beyond just the, the practicality of the programming. It's how you're approaching the day's workout. Yep. So one of the things we didn't touch upon was 10 years ago when we did this, we were chasing for seconds, yep. dying for points. Yep. Well, I haven't done a prescribed workout or post my score to, to comments in two months. Mm-hmm. I've, I've literally modified every single workout for the last two months and have not posted a score. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I had a couple of health things. I'm coming back from a, a hernia surgery and there's things that I, it doesn't make sense for me to do those things. And in terms of the posting scores to comments back then, that is the thing that incentivizes people to work harder, period. Well, me with my competitive yeah. DNA, that's a detriment, not an asset. I don't need, if I go, I also don't sign up for competitions, any competitions. I've learned this the hard way. Anything even like, let's do a Spartan race. Can't do it. If I sign up for a Spartan race, I I want to do so well in it. The I part will, of your brain that is- fine. I will I will yeah. train myself yeah. into an injury. Yeah. Now, other people, the opposite, I'm not saying don't sign. Other people, I have really good friends and people that are in the gym that forever that need to sign up for the 10K, want to do the half marathon, want to do high rocks, want to do the- the Spartan race we want to do the local throwdown because they need the chair to Kate the ch- the, the carrot, the carrot to chase. Phenomenal, you know yourself. I am not. I will overdo it if I get in that mode. So I'm much better. My goal always is no steps backwards. Just keep moving forward. It's a low trajectory towards the distant horizon. It's not to peak next month. What I want to do is. Here's an neat way of like when you're a, uh, an older athlete, I get this question all the time um, for people that have been doing CrossFit for a decade and now are in their 50s. They're like, oh, I'm working so hard. I'm here all the time. I haven't PR'd in three years. Mm-hmm. My response to that is, well, tell me a couple of things that you've done recently. Like um, we did back squats uh, last week for a one rep max. What'd you get? And it will be, you know, some dude in his 50s, he's like, I back squatted uh, 265. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, okay. We did um, Jerry the other week, which is run a mile, row a 2K, run a mile. I was like, what was your time in the first mile? He's like, 640. Okay. If you're 90 years old Mm -hmm. and you're back squatting 265 and running a 640 mile, how are you feeling about yourself? Right. Like, you're the fittest person on planet Earth. The goal is not to keep you to make gains at some point. The goal is to slow down, bad word, but decrepitude. Yeah. Like that's the goal. At, like, if you recognize that, it takes some urgency and like this intensity thing. And what you realize it truly is the consistency play. Yeah. If we want to be good at something, you need to do it frequently. Mm-hmm. If you train so hard, which was the trap I had as a competitive athlete, that you then, and I did this, I had a shoulder surgery, I had a back surgery, I had multiple Achilles things, I would work so hard that I would have to take three to six months off. Well, when that happens in your 70s, that's a big deal. Whereas now, besides this hernia surgery, which I think is a fluke thing, I haven't missed a day of training in like three years. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the goal at a certain level is the consistency thing. And it's not that train every day, six days a week. Right. That's the goal at a certain level. So understand what it is you're chasing. That's not the goal. If you want to be the best in the world, of the CrossFit games. Yeah. So it'd be a different protocol.
0: Totally, I love that. So I think the two big things are uh, no steps backwards. I think is really important. And then knowing why, understanding know why, why, knowing like, what you're trying just to just ask yourself, why are you training? Exactly. I think those are both super, super helpful uh, frameworks. All right. That was our workout. We're gonna jump into our shout out. Our shout out is uh, when we uh, just use this as an excuse to say thank you to folks who leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or on random YouTube comments, or in this case, which we have a message from Nick. Uh, Nick sent you and I both a note, um, I think, on Instagram. Um, So I'm just going to read a bit of it. He said, uh, and again, this is from Nick, I just wanted to send you guys a quick thank you uh, for all the wisdom and guidance you have given me over the last four to five years through your podcast. It's been an invaluable guiding star throughout my cancer journey the last three and a half years. Long story short, I was huge in a CrossFit for five years before I was diagnosed with an extremely rare and aggressive blood cancer at 34 Thankfully, I was prepared for this battle, both physically and more importantly, mentally, because of CrossFit and mentors mm-hmm. like you. Since being released from treatment, uh, I've been in remission for three—rather, uh, uh, been in remission for three years. I've been traveling the country nonstop and living my best life. So, so cool! Shout out to Nick. He
1: actually came and visited us here. Oh, we he did. I
0: know he mentioned he wanted yeah. to. I wasn't sure if he yep. did. Um, awesome. So, thank you, Nick. Thank you to everybody out there who sends us notes uh, and leaves us reviews. Um, they always make us feel better and they Which I just throw I like this. open
1: invitation to anyone on this podcast everyone wants to come and visit us and the, like yeah. that's uh, it's a weird thing that maybe that uh, anybody that wants to come and visit us in Natick Massachusetts at CrossFit New England CrossFit New England we would love to have you here um for as long as we could have you <laughs> yes like yeah. it's it's an it's a op it's a gym open to all of you
0: love that Um, Cool. We're gonna jump into our last segment, which we call the cool down, which for folks who have been listening for a while is kind of like our hopper talk. Sometimes I have some ideas for some fun stuff for cool downs coming forward. But we're gonna stick with our hopper talk this week. Uh, And so I've got a question. This is from listener. His name is Nicholas. What do you think is the best and worst piece of advice someone could give someone in their mid 20s or or early 30s? Why don't you take it first? All right, I'll give you, I'll give you, you know, quite frankly, I don't know if I have bad advice. Um, I
1: don't have, I don't have the worst piece of advice, but I've got a couple. Well, I don't think. like, like, uh, um, like the extremes of the worst. Yeah. Like what's bad advice? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> Uh, I'd say this is the worst. Yeah. Bad advice is really good advice that you don't take. <laughs> That's what bad
0: advice is. Um, okay. So here's a couple uh, pieces of advice that I would give somebody in this. And I think these both probably skew a little bit towards the the early, the mid to early 20s, but somewhere in the twenties to thirties. Uh, two of them. One is, and i I've mentioned this before, is understand if you are the kind of person who's gonna go deep and specialize in one thing or you're going to be you're going to be the kind of person who goes broad and spe- and generalizes across a few things. Understanding which of those is your is more aligned with your personality is such an in, is such a useful decisional filter going forward because you can stop looking at the other thing. Saying, "Oh, maybe I do that. Maybe I learn that particular code language, you know, code la- language of coding." And I say, "I'm just going to try to get a good sense of like what are the top 5 uh, coding languages. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna worry about being a writer. I'm gonna figure out how I can be, uh, how I can be competent or more than competent in writing, graphic design, website development, video production. That like figuring out which one of those more suits your personality will just lay a ground, lay the groundwork for you to make better decisions more consistently going forward. So that's one thing that I kind of wish I had known to even ask myself. And then the second one, which won't really come as a surprise, is. Uh, to be selfishly healthy, <laughs> mm. <laughs> to over-index toward taking care of your body and your mind, right? The, the full gamut of health. Because when you get into 30, when you get into 35, when you get into 40, when you've got all these other demands on you, there's a really good chance, and this is not intentionally, but ties back to kind of my macro question from the workout today, which is like you will probably not be able to give training as much time you will probably not be able to give your health as much energy time and attention as you can at 20, 25, and even 30 while you're still well, you still have that those that slack in the system where you can go spend 2 hours in the gym or you can you know whatever whatever it might be because those things pay dividends when you are 35, when you are 40, when you have more going on and you have less time for it you are still Uh, it is literally like an investment. It will spit dividends back at you. You don't have to work as hard. You don't have to work be as dedicated at 40 if you did that when you were 20, 25, and 30. And so remembering that, keeping that in mind, I think is really important because there will be a time when you don't have the slack in the system to be selfishly healthy.
1: Those are good pieces of... Was the question the
0: good advice... There's uh, best and worst. Piece oh, best of and worst. Best. Yeah. Okay. And I skip the worst, right.
1: so I'll go. I'll go the opposite direction. Yeah. Give you. I'd love the. Okay. Go so ahead. I'll give. I'll give. What is bad advice? Yeah. And actually, it, it kind of counters your first one. Love it. Hit me. The to me the bad advice to give somebody in their young twenties is, go figure it out, mm-hmm. get it figured out. You don't have to figure it out. You have so much time to figure it out. And by the way. You're never going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Take some pressure off yourself. This is why I see with these a lot of these 20-year-olds that are around here yeah. is there's so much of this like, well, I, I got to get it figured out because unlike when I was growing up, all they see is everyone else killing it around them on social media, mm-hmm. which is everyone's highlight reel, which is not actuality. We need to take a step back and you don't have, this doesn't need to be your career. Mm -hmm. This doesn't need to be the person you're going to marry. It's not necessarily, I'll I'll steal this from Michelle Obama. She hates that question of what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Because it assumes that you have to be one thing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a lawyer. You don't have to be the vice president's or the the first lady, you don't have to, you can be all those things. You can be multiple things. And that's her whole thing is like, it's not who I am. I'm always becoming and recognize that whether you are in your teens, your twenties, your thirties, or your fifties or your sixties, you're always becoming. There's the story I'm forgetting. I think it was, um, uh, the author, uh, I always blank on the name, um, like the modern management. Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker. Didn't write his first book until yeah. he was 60. And he, and is he wrote like 30 of them. After 30, 30 books. <laughs> he's known as an author. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't have it, quote unquote, figured out until he was 60. Yep. So I think that people feel like if they don't have their career – if I'm not on Wall Street, if I'm not pre-med, if I'm not you know, going to be a professional athlete and I don't know what I'm doing in my – it leads to – it used to be the midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. When people were 45 and they realized like, oh my God, what have I done in my life? I spent the last 20 years pursuing this career and it's empty. I actually didn't end up where I thought I was going to end up and they go through a crisis. Yeah. Well, that's happening at quarter life now. It's happening to people at 25. They get two, three, four, five years into their careers and they go, is this what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life? Like the answer to that doesn't, it it can be no. It can be no. And you don't have to find the person you're going to marry by 25. You don't have to find the person you're married by 35. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself to just be here and experience life. Just experience it. And what that means is much like our, um, listener who gave that get great testimonial, yeah. if that means going and traveling the world and delaying a career for six years, like good on you. That's go do that thing. Don't put off experiences because you feel like you need to have things answered. Mm-hmm. They're never going to be answered. Love that, how much, how
0: much, where does work? Uh, this is a bigger question, so we're not going to tackle it today, but I'm going to, I'm going to, do we'll do a whole episode on it in that what you just said which i love and obviously my first piece of advice was very work related where is work in the process of becoming in your mind is it i mean i know it's in there but like i'm thinking about again the 20 to 25 year old kind of like you're saying like that because that's a big part of what that that point or that period of life is is like figuring out the work end of things where are you in terms of like Yes, pay attention to that. Don't
1: sweat that too much, though. Like, where, like, give me a sense of that. People spend the majority of their waking lives, half of, you know, a quarter of your life is spent sleeping. A third, actually, I spent sleeping. A third is spent working. If you think of three eight hour sections to every 24 hour period, eight is sleep, eight is work, eight is for yourself. So, a third of your life or half of your waking time is spent at work. It's huge. It's massive. What the goal should be is to be able to do what sets your heart on fire. Mm -hmm. That's what you're trying to... If there's anything to figure out, it's that. Mm -hmm. What can you do to where you're enjoying the process? My neighbor sent me a text this morning that said, you know you found your calling when you still get excited about the worst parts about what you do. Mm -hmm. That's a worthy endeavor. So this has been said like... If you love playing music, but you would hate like playing at midnight in an empty, smoky pub and lugging your luggage and traveling around in a dusty van with four other guys making no more money. If (laughs) that doesn't sound appealing to you, yeah, you might love like playing in front of a stadium of 60,000 people. But if that part sounds fun to you, you found it. That's interesting. That's what you found. That's interesting. So for me, if I like the... Um, working with an employee that's struggling and building a business and talking to members that give me feedback about, you know, why the gym isn't meeting their expectations. And um, I have a employee that unexpectedly leaves and now I have to coach three extra classes a day. Like if that doesn't entice me, I should probably keep looking. Yeah. Uh, people romanticize the job. People romanticize Wall Street because they see like, well, I have a high powered lunch in a suit with high heels and carry a briefcase and it'll be amazing. And yeah. like, yeah, but what about when you're you're working until 1 in the morning. You get home at one forty-five in the morning, eating ramen noodles, watching Gossip Girl, getting back up in the morning at 4.30 to go back and rinse, wash, repeat the whole thing. And you're under the gun, under pressure, and people are going, why haven't you delivered this? If that part doesn't excite you, mm. find out where you like thrive. Mm-hmm. Blur the line between work and play. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you need to become a professional baseball player. You don't need to become a professional painter or poet or that type of thing. And there's no such thing as perfection. What I'm saying is go have yourself some experiences and find out what those things are. There is no better teacher than experience. Do you like Wall Street? Do you like marketing? Do you like writing and being a creative in graphic design? Do you like the ski bum life and being a ski instructor? Do you want to work in hospitality? Do you want to be a stay-at-home mom? Do you want to work in the gym environment? Do you want to open up a bed and breakfast or a restaurant? Well, go and work in those industries. It's prototyping. Go and have those experiences to see and allow yourself the decade Mm -hmm. of prototyping. Because It's a worthy endeavor. And then once you've started down the path, recognize you're not a tree. If you don't like where you are, move, Mm -hmm. change it up. This is your life is not a dress rehearsal. You don't get to do this thing again, as far as we know. So (laughs) let's assume that. Right. (laughs) So if this isn't something that you're passionate about, move on now, dot, dot, dot there's always going to be crappy days. Mm -hmm. Even when you're living your best life, there's going to be rain. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be drama. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be challenges. So just because you're doing this amazing thing and you have a bad day, two, three, week, month. I'm not saying, okay, throw in the towel, what's next? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to live through those things. So have the right expectations. Be the realist, not just the optimist.
0: All right. I'm going to put a pin in that and we're going to have a, we'll do a deeper dive on that because I'm super interested in, uh, in talking more about that. But we're running up to the end of our episode. Thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. And I have one ask. If this episode was useful to you, share it with somebody, share it with a friend, send them a text message, say, Hey, I listened to this. I thought of you that helps m- new people find the show and it makes us happy. So thank you out there. Uh, ben and I will be back next week for another episode of chasing excellence.